to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Elliott. Very excited today. We have a legend in the house, a Willie G. What's up, brother? How you doing? Not much. I'm doing well, Brandon. How are you? Dude, Appreciate I am so... Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited for you, man. You're new into the game. You've been doing it for a little over two years now, but you've had tremendous success. Obviously, somebody guided you in the right direction because you've done $1.2 in sales for flipping land virtually. You're teaching other people how to do it now. You've done this on, what, 152 deals. There's just tremendous momentum behind you right now. And you got courses out. You got a lot of awesome products and services that you're really serving more people. So I want to dive into that. I know you have some amazing content. You're going to break down five steps on how somebody can get started flipping land today, which is awesome. And uh, you also have a course teaching people how to break this down and get started and you're giving it away absolutely free, correct? That is correct, yes. yes it is. Dude, I'm excited. So anybody out there that's crazy that doesn't know exactly who you are, do you mind just diving into who the heck you are and uh, where you're from, what you're doing today and where you came from? Yeah. Hi, uh, my name is Willie Goldberg and I grew up in the north suburbs of Chicago. I went out to college out in California, Southern California, went to Pomona College four years and thought at that point I wanted to be, to go, kind of go into finance and go work in the corporate world. I thought that's kind of what made sense. And so that's kind of what my, my interest was at the time. That's what I was focused towards. And then I got some jobs afterwards. I moved, I was out West, out in Southern California, and then I moved out East to a, a few different companies. I was working in investment banking, I worked out at Wells Fargo in, in Charlotte and then uh, uh, Jeffrey's out in, in Boston, two, two firms there. I was working a lot. And so I had this vision going into that of what, what kind of the expectation was and, and what it was going to be like. And I thought it was going to be living the high life, really enjoying it, lo- loving what I do. And I got there and, and the lifestyle wasn't quite the same. So I was out, out doing that. I was working hard. I was grinding. I just wasn't really enjoying doing all that hard work and getting results for my employer, for my bosses, bosses boss pretty much. Yeah. And so I uh, was doing it for a little while. And then in the culture really was, was very toxic. I didn't, I didn't really like being in that culture. It was the, the philosophy that if you're not in the office, you're, you're not working hard enough. And even if you got all your work done, it's just people talking behind your back and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, all, all for somebody else, right? So it's for someone else. Yeah, yeah exactly. So um, I was in my second year and then I, I went, went to Jeffries and, I, and I, was, I was thinking, well, I'm not really sure this is what I want to do with my life. And I, I was thinking to, to, of having a career change. And so I started listening to, to podcasts, finding, trying to find a way to get out of that position. And so we listen to bigger pockets, listen to a million different podcasts. And what I found was that real estate investing was the way to do it, first of all. And second of all, I thought house wholesaling was going to be the path that I was going to take to do that with. And so I kept listening to podcasts. It seemed like that was the most active way. It was the least risky way. There was house flipping and there was house wholesaling related to uh, and rehabbing, which is kind of what you do. I, I figured I didn't really have the experience or, or know how to do it. And I wanted to go towards wholesaling, which I, I viewed as less risky, just send out the marketing and, and get deals under contract and flip those deals. And so I went down that rabbit hole. I tried to figure it out and it was tough to figure out while I was working a full-time job. And I didn't think that I was going to be able to go on these house appointments. I didn't think I was going to be able to go and make offers on properties while I had such a demanding job. And so I kept digging, kept digging. I figured there's got to be a better way. And so one day I heard a podcast of someone flipping vacant land, earning 300 to 500% returns on their flips and um, doing it all behind a computer screen yeah. and uh, doing everything virtually. And the virtual part is really what stuck out to me and really what sold me because I did have this job. I wasn't able to go on site to these properties and, and getting those type of returns without that much capital commitment seemed like a really, really promising prospect. So I considered it and it's, it's really the same kind of model as house wholesaling. You're, you're sending out direct mail offers. You're, you're talking to sellers. You're getting property at discounted prices. And you're, you're, you're not flipping the contract, but you're taking title to it and just marketing and selling it online, which is very similar process. So it's kind of the same thing. So I, I took it and I ran with it. And so I started while I was, while I was in banking, I was, I was working 80 hour weeks and trying to do this on the side. And 
so I was, I was probably working tw- 20 hours at, at this, at this on the side. And my, my work was demanding about 80 hours a week. And I really wasn't committing a hundred hour weeks. So some, some work was getting lost along the way. And my boss called me into a room on some day out in July, a couple of years ago. And he told me, well, your, your performance is, is slacking a little bit and you're fired. So I was actually canned from that job. At the time I, I did not take it very well. I actually, um, they did not treat me very well. They, they took away my bonus and, and it was at the time that literally the exact time of the bonus was about to come out. So I was not happy. Frankly, that was really the best thing that could have happened to me. I started working full time on the business for a little while. I did end up taking another job out in Chicago. Um, corporate banking, corporate bank job, a little more flexible hours, better, better hours and continued to grind on the side doing 20 to 25 hours a week and ultimately started to have some success. So at the time, I probably worked another six, seven months at that new job that I got and had been working on the land flipping business for about a year at that time. But I was starting to really see more results and I was making significantly more money on the side than I was at my job and I was spending significantly less time while flipping land. So I, I thought, well, this doesn't really make sense. So I decided to call it quits in the job. Um, so first, for, I would say, yeah, first full year in the business, flipped about um, just, just about 50 properties, made about, about six figures. And a second year, margin started to improve dramatically, started to scale tremendously and do a lot better at marketing. And, and like you said, did 1.2 million in sales my second year. And over, over the last 12 months, it's been about almost, almost, 1 point, almost 1.4 million in sales. So it's, it's really scalable. You could do deals within really just spend a couple hours on the buy side and sell side total sure. uh, deals. And so I think it's a really scalable business model and you can do it all behind a computer screen. I don't spend at this time, I don't spend more than 20 to 30 hours a week doing it. And yeah, I think it's very, very profitable. You just kind of, kind of figure, figure out some of the nooks and crannies and, um, and learn some of the techniques, but, but I think it's a very scalable business model. I love it. So I got so many questions for you right from the start, but you, you do have a podcast as well, correct? What, what is the name of it? The name of it is Fire Boss Real Estate Podcast. Yeah. And I was, I was actually just on there. You, you had me uh, featured on there. So there's a lot of great content that we were giving on there, but your niche, I feel like a lot of people could probably relate to because it's just simple facts that you're working for some other company, corporate world, you did everything right. But at, at the same time, they're pushing you to to work a million hours, uh, like a hundred hour weeks. And it's just overwhelming too much. You're not trying to give away your whole damn life to, yeah. to build somebody else's business. So, uh, so you got canned from your job and then you, you started finding more opportunities to start doing this yourself. So your first year you did a little over six figures, correct? Correct. Now, how many deals do you re- recall? Like how many deals it actually took to be able to get a little over six figures that first year? Yeah. So my first year I did, so I did 50. My margins were quite a bit lower than what they are in my second year. Sure. So I did about 50 deals. Um, yeah, I guess made at that point, probably make two, two grand a deal, probably average deal, maybe buy for 1500, sell for 35, four, four grand around there, around that range. So smaller deals. And then I, I figured out kind of the systems and owner financing was actually one of the bigger things that I started to do in my second year that actually enhanced my margins dramatically and allowed me to scale, scale my business. Ooh, I love it. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about that because the seller financing or owner financing uh, is huge. Like that can be very, very lucrative. So, and not not enough people are actually implementing this when it comes down to flipping land yeah. or wholesaling land. So, so let's talk about that just for a second, right off the bat. Like as far as you're buying these properties and then you are, you're carrying the note on the property to... I guess the end buyer and who, who is your end buyer typically? Yeah. So the end buyers, it's generally retail buyers. People, I mean, I, I pretty much buy and sell residential lots, agricultural lots. And the, and the buyers are the really just individuals who want to own property. They want to move on property. They want to park a mobile home. They want to park a camper. They want to go camping on the property um, so, or they simply just want to buy it for investment. So it's not typically like builders. Not usually. I mean, I have sold to builders in the past, but it's generally, uh, I'm not selling like infill lots in big cities. I'm really selling uh, residential lots that are a little bit further from town. Um, so people are just, uh, mostly just individuals, not corporations that are looking to buy them. And so I, I sell to them on owner financing. When they, they go to my website, they see a button that says buy on terms and they can check out and buy a property yeah. um, for just a few hundred dollars down. It's, it's very appealing. So now where did you get your education? 
when it when it comes down to I know you had the pain point of the job and working a million hours and you're just like you're not happy they're not satisfied and you're like you know what more do you want from me yeah. uh, but at the end of the day like I know you you were you mentioned that you're jumping on uh, a podcast like bigger pockets and probably this one ready set go <laughs> yeah exactly this is the main one <laughs> but uh, you know where where did you actually end up getting your education or did you find a mentor a coach that's somebody that helped you put every all the moving pieces together to be able to take action yeah so there's some uh, land investors uh, educators out there and one of them was Ari Tipster who's Seth, Seth Williams he has a very detailed course on the subject. And so I used that to kind of get off the ground and I took some of the other free information out there to kind of uh, to le- leverage that and try to figure out what I can and, and, and find um, really any tips and tricks to build out the business. So I did, I did buy a course, but then I really expanded on, on, on the course and, and, and made it my own. And what I would say is, so I took the fundamentals from, those, like, from the educators out there and then I, it turns out the bottleneck in, in the land investing business is really selling property. It's really easy to buy property in our niche, um, but selling property is the bottleneck. It's a lot harder. I mean, days on market's quite a bit longer than it is with houses, with other asset classes in real estate. So I took the knowledge from um, pretty, the educators in land investing. And then I spent quite, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a pretty avid uh, learner of marketing and so I, in, in sales. And so I, I took a lot of the information that I've learned about marketing and sales and, and brought it into the land investing business. I built out a, pr- a, a pretty good sales funnel, sales funnel, I'd say, and um, have really honed down on the marketing and the email marketing, the video marketing to really be able to sell sell property quicker and, and, and more seamlessly than, than a lot of I would say the vast majority of other uh, land investors in the space. And so I think that's really where I've differentiated myself. And, and that's kind of um, how I've been able to scale and, and, and see more success than others in the business. Sure. So let's talk about the holding times. Um, because from my personal knowledge, I, I was still kind of aware and correct me if I'm wrong, that it, it's typically like a 30 to 60, maybe 90 days uh, to be able to flip land. Yeah, so I would say I would say you're right on that. So it depends on the, the location of the property, the demand. Sure. Um, one one thing that is actually pretty critical is determining which markets are good markets to invest in for this asset class, at, and that are also in cheap enough neighborhoods that you can buy in. So the market is crucial for finding uh, is it for determining where, where there's a good place to buy with lower lower days on market. Because if you buy in the wrong area, days on market could be really, really long time and you're not going to get the demand. But I would say, generally speaking, you're right. I would say 45 to 60 days for some of the cheaper lots and 60 to 90 days for maybe a little bit more, some of the more expensive lots, at least that's from my experience. Okay. Now, as far as markets go, what kind of markets would you recommend or where would you find this type of information? Yeah. So currently I'm in several different markets. I'm in I would say five different states right now. I'm in California. I'm in Arizona. I'm in New Mexico. I'm in Colorado. I'm in Florida. So five different states have sold property in, I would say, seven, eight different states total. And in terms of what the criteria you need to find a good market, I mean, there's, it really is you want to go where there is already an existing market. So you can go on some of, some of these web land websites. There's Zillow, there's Landwatch, there's Lands of America, and you can find where there's property currently for sale. But the more important data to look at is where there's sold property. So where, where there's a lot of property selling, in, in, but, but it also needs to be in areas where there's also cheap property that you can actually buy and that, that is affordable. Um, that's really the sweet spot and that's what you're looking for. So um, yeah, in, in my free mini course, I actually detail exactly how I choose a county and, and choosing a county is, is a very critical step in at least the first step in, in, in buying vacant land. I love it. So you're giving away this course at the end for all the listeners. If they just go and subscribe to the podcast as well as uh, leave a review and you're breaking it all down for them until they actually get this course. But in the course, it's going to have the videos, modules to show exactly what is needed. Let's break it down right now. So I guess the first, because basically it's like a five-step process, correct? Correct. Okay. So that, that first process, uh, what are we looking at? So I guess the first thing you need to do is to really is build a list. Or sorry, sorry, choose a county is the first thing. You need to choose a market where you we need to buy buy property. And so like like I was saying, that that's kind of a critical step in the process because that's really I mean, you're buying in an area and the area needs to have high demand. It needs to have the cheap, cheap enough property. So the first step is really to choose choose a county. Okay. And with choosing the county, are you really just looking for that cheap property or is there any 
are, are you looking for like job growth in the area, uh, population growth or anything unique that really pops out? So I don't really look at anything besides, so I look for cheap property. So I, I do sort my list or I sort uh, some of the land websites by cheap property. So I, I, w- I want to find areas where there's cheap property that's larger acreage. I do like to buy larger acreage. Um, but the third thing and, and the more important thing is you have to go where there's already a market. So you have to find where there's already a market. And to do that, one way to do it is to find out where there's property for sale because that's generally a good indicator of where there's uh, property is selling as well. So I guess, yeah, you, you want to you want to find cheap property, high with that's relatively large acreage, and um, in areas where there's there's already a market, already an established market. Because you don't want to be the market maker, you want to go where there's already a market. Now, for the market, um, is there like a certain day frame that like you're looking to have these sell? Because there's certain markets that it takes like six months or a year to actually sell an average property with like a house on the parcel. So can you imagine if like, are you looking for, are you still okay with if there's a bunch of properties kind of more in a buyer's market that's, that's looking to sell, you know, their properties over there? Or are you looking for something a little bit more fast paced with, you know, properties that are selling within 60 days? Yeah. So I actually, so the days on market is not, I mean, the data out there available is not super good. I would say, uh, Zillow does keep some track of it. I think maybe realtor.com keeps track of it, but I, I, the, the data is all over the place. Sometimes you see properties on there that are like 3000 days on market and it's like, doesn't even make any sense. So I, I don't, I don't trust that as much. So I don't leverage that data as much. I really just look at where there's the most property sold and selling at the time. Um, and so I just, I, all I do is focus on looking at, at markets where there's already sold properties or there's, there's more sold properties in that market than other markets in that, in that state and that, uh, in counties nearby and that kind of thing. Okay. Is there any websites or anything that you would use in particular or that you would get that info? Yeah. So, I mean, if, if anyone is really interested, I do like outline it exactly how I do it in the course. So it's uh, freelandflippingcourse.com. Okay. Um, but I would say uh, landwatch.com is the main website that I use landwatch.com. Okay, cool. And then, so number one's figuring out that County, uh, looking for the cheap properties, um, large acreage, and then something that, you know, properties that are, are somewhat selling. Um, so you know that it is more of a market that if you pick up some land at a discounted rate, you'll be able to flip it right away. Correct. Yep. Cool. And then step two, so step two is you need to find the property owners that you want to mail out uh, offers to. So you got to choose the criteria pretty much. So you got to build, build your list of property owners. Okay. Um, and so w- the way in which to do that is to, um, so there's different third party data platforms that get their data, aggregate data from counties. And so they, I mean, you could, you could pretty much sort your, you could build a list on there based on the acreage size, based on the assessed value. So you want lower assessed value generally, just so you're not getting yelled at when you're making out offers. And, and so, yeah, I use agentpro247.com to aggregate my data. It's, it's actually fairly cheap. If you do the pay-as-you-go plan, it's just five cents per record. Um, and so I leverage that. And You said agentpro.com? Agentpro247.com. 247. It's like some 007 stuff. I love it. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> okay. So, and this will basically help you build out your list? Yeah, that'll help you build out your list. Um, so you could you could get your list of property owners fairly quickly. You could do it as like really as little as ten minutes if you if you know what you're doing. Your first time will take you a little bit longer, but it's it's very easy to use. Now, what what type of criteria are you looking for in general when you're trying to build out your list? Yeah, so I sort it generally by um, I want I generally want larger acreage. I want to buy property that's out of neighborhoods in, in order to do that. So I don't have to worry about setbacks. I don't have to worry about easement issues. I don't have to worry about restrictions and covenants with regard to buildability. So I like to buy property that's really four acres or larger. Um, it usually gets out of those subdivisions. So I, I like, I, I filter my data by four acres, what up to whatever acreage size I'm interested in at the time. I'll, I'll also filter assess value. I'll make sure the improvement percentage on the property is zero because if there's any improvement, that means it's not vacant land. So I'm just filtering for vacant lots out there. Um, and I want to do just residential lots and, or agricultural lots or recreational lots. Other than that, I don't want any commercial. I don't want any site built home lots. I don't want any industrial lots. So, so I'll I'll filter by the use code at the County 
And um, other than that, that's really about it. Just acreage size, get the assessed value relatively low. I want the transfer value relatively low because if someone bought a property for 500 grand a couple of years ago and I'm making an offer for 2,500 bucks, probably not going to go over too well. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll filter that as well. But um, it's, it's pretty straightforward, kind of the, the, the criteria that I used to filter my lists. Okay. All right. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of content right there. You just poured out like a ton of gold. So uh, I, I definitely am going to need to rewind this and, uh, and go back into it later on the, on the recorded side, uh, which is awesome. Also just FYI, anybody that's not taking notes right now, like, I don't know if you can see this, but make sure you <laughs> notes because this guy is dropping tremendous amount of value. So make sure you're taking notes because uh, at the end of the day, th this podcast, it's all geared towards like educating people, motivating them, and then preparing you to take action. So as he's dropping all these gold nuggets, he's giving away the course at the end, but he's giving you step one through five right now. So make sure you're taking notes and right after this, you can take action right away and start implementing it. So are you doing a, a PEC test at all? Is, it, is that what it's called? I forget. Is it PEC? Yeah, the perk test. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't do that. I, I don't really worry about that. And I've, in fact, since in the two point whatever years I've been doing this, I've only had one buyer who's like actually went out there and said, I need to perk test before I buy this property. So uh, generally speaking, it, it's not a big issue, at least for these cheaper lots that I'm buying. Sure. Um, if, you, if you're buying property that's in, in some of the neighborhoods that, that, that I'm trying to avoid, then maybe it's a little bit more of an issue because those need to be buildable and that they will be built on right away, but not, not for the lots that I'm buying. Okay. Very good. Cool. So we got number one is figure out that county. Uh, number two is build a, a list of property owners that you can start marketing to. And then uh, what is number three? Number three is, so you downloaded that list and number three is you need to start sorting that list. So you need to get rid of, I mean, so you're, you're going to get the agent pro 247 is going to give you a data dump of literally everything that's available for those properties. And you only really need some data points. I mean, it's really the mailing address, the acreage size, the, uh, the owner's name. That's really all that you need. So you, they're going to give you a bunch of different columns. They're going to give you like 30, 40, 50 different columns. You need to sort it and you need to remove the duplicates. Some owners own multiple properties. So you need to delete them. So um, it's a little bit of an Excel exercise, but um, step number three is really just sorting that list and getting into a format that you can do a mail merge and get it sent out in the mail. Okay. Now, are you personally doing that yourself or are you hiring this out with virtual assistants that do all that the craziness uh, beforehand? Yeah. So I actually still do it myself. Um, it doesn't take me very long. I'm pretty good with Excel. I do have a number of coaching students who do leverage virtual assistants. They just send them the video that I, I put in the course and they just literally send it to them and they send the spreadsheet and they just do it for them. They can send it back the next day. So if you're not uh, pretty, you're not super well-versed in Excel. You could certainly yeah. do that and, and pay just a few dollars, really just the virtual assistants to do that. Nice. Okay, cool. So after you sort the, the data, the list, and you really come down to the final list, you know, what, what does that next step look like? So the next step is uh, you need to price that list. So it's, I guess step number four is to price that list. So it's going back to those websites that you originally looked at to choose a county. Um, and seeing what the market is trading for in those areas for the acreage size and that you're, you're looking for. And then you need to re really, what I do is come in at around 15 to 20% of that. And I really look at the lowest echelon of property, the lowest price property in, and then in those counties and those neighborhoods. And I'd come in at uh, a, a fraction of what they're, they're uh, trading at and what they're asking for on the market. Um, so you really want to price those to be very low, but you want to send out an actual offer letter. So when they get it in the mail, um, you're not getting a million inbound calls uh, with people interested in selling their property. You're only getting, you're, you're weeding out the people who are not, or who want retail. Um, and you're only getting the phone calls of, of people who know that you're offering um, a pretty low offer and they're willing to accept or at least entertain your offer. Okay. So let me just clarify. So basically you are sending out a, uh, a card, correct? Like a, a, it's a, no, it's an offer letter. So it's a one page offer letter is what I send out. So it comes in an envelope then. Correct. Okay. And then it has your offer price of like what you're willing to pay for it on there. Correct. Okay. Now does that take a bunch of time? No. So, I mean, if I'm sending out an, a mailer uh, for say five to 10 acres, I mean, it takes me, honestly, it takes me 10, 20 minutes to price out a mailer for um, five acres, six acres, seven acres, eight acres, nine acres, 10 acres. And I literally what I would do is I would price out the five acres. I would price out the 10 acres um, for whatever the county is. And then I would, I would come in at a fraction of that, that price 
and then a fraction of the price for the 10. And then, so those are my two numbers. And then I pretty much just make everything in between. Um, I, I just make it pretty linear in terms of the formula. So five acres say is, is two grand, three, 10 acres is 3,500, something like that. Um, and then six acres will be whatever the, the formula is to between, between th- uh, two grand and 3,500. So it's should be very straightforward and only take you 10, 20 minutes to do it. So basically you're creating a formula on the Excel or Excel sheet that whatever the price that it's selling for currently, or I guess the, the market is allowing in that area depends on however many acreage they have then yeah. then it will automatically just plug plug and play pretty much of yeah kind of yeah it's at least the idea so um okay. i keep it pretty simple um with in terms of pricing i love that i, I love try that. not to overthink it yeah and basically once the mail goes out then it's i mean you're really getting people that know that you're serious you gave them an offer right away and they're calling you if they're, you know, they actually do want to do business. So you're getting a lot more motivated people because they, they know what your offer is. Yeah, exactly. So okay. um, the people, yeah, it's, it, it's a natural filter. So the people just calling, those are people who are already interested. They're not interested in getting retail. They just want to dump their property um, and willing to sell or, or they're calling to yell because I offered way too low. So that's really the two uh, spectrums. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's so funny. It is one or the other. You're, you're not yeah. good. Uh, okay, cool. So as far as your offer goes, you said you're looking at however much the market is could sell for right now. And then you're doing about 20% less or how much yeah. So no, I'm, I'm, I'm mailing at 20% of the market. Um, so it's the land market's pretty inefficient, I would say. So you can actually get massive discounts on these properties because of how inefficient and how illiquid it is at, at the higher price point. So you could you could actually come in at 15, 20% of the dollar, sometimes even lower uh, for, okay. for these properties. So, so not 15 or 20% discounted, No, but, but instead like 15 or 20% of what that overall. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's why, that's why the margins are so good in, in the business is because you could, I mean, on average, I would say I buy for, I don't know, 20% sell for 70, 80% on terms. For sure. So, um, yeah, so margins are very good because you can get property mass discounts. And if you learn how to sell it, um, then yeah, margins are great. Um, yeah, I, I love that. I was just going to say like, yeah, I'm glad we clarified that because if, from my understanding, I thought you just meant, you know, 15 or 20% of the actual, uh, you know, what you can sell it for. I was like, where are you making money? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's not the case. Okay, no, cool. A total, a total market. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now once you make this list and uh, you're putting it out there, you're getting the people to call you uh, either to cuss you out or to, you know, to possibly move forward. Or uh, is there a lot of people that are negotiating with you? Yeah, you'll get, you'll get people who negotiate um, when when they call and say, "Hey, I, I'm interested in selling, but your price is a little bit low. Can we do, say, I sent an offer for two grand? Can we do three grand?" Um, and I'll look at it and I'll pr- probably tell them no, but I mean, I'll, I'll at least consider it. But yeah, people people will negotiate all the time on that. Sure. Okay. And then afterwards, what what's that next process look like? So after, so, I mean, you, you pretty much price it out. And then the next step is, is really just to upload, upload your list and do the mail. Uh, so there's a few websites out there that can help you with the mail merge. So you have your purchase agreement, you have your Excel sheet with all the data that, that you've just sorted. Um, and then you just upload those, you, you pay the mail company and they will get it sent out for you. So that's kind of the last step in terms of your, the, the fifth step of getting out your mailer. And, and then you just wait until, until the mail hits and then you start receiving the phone calls. Okay. So the, the two documents again, one is the purchase agreement that has just like, Hey, I'm, this is me. This is my land company. We could close in three days, um, and cover all closing costs. Uh, if here's the property that we're looking interested in buying, if you're interested in selling, please sign a date here. Yours truly and William Goldberg, my LLC or whatever. And, uh, Amen. then the other document is the, the Excel sheet that was, that we just sorted. Sure. Um, and, and, and the one that we sorted and the, the one that we just priced as well. Okay. Now with that purchase agreement, if they sign it, are they mailing this back to you or how does that work? Yeah. So I give them a few options. They can mail it back. They can email it. Um, they can scan an email, they could fax it, or they can even take a picture and just text it to me. The purchase agreement is really a formality. It's not even necessary uh, to do the transaction. Um, but it, 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 it's good to have them have something physical, have them make it seem like it. I mean, it is a legitimate transaction. Um, but by all means, it is a formality that offer letter and you can, 
when they do accept, I either send it to a title company um, to, to close the transaction. And if I do, if it is, if it is a large enough transaction, a purchase agreement actually is necessary and the title company will need that. So, um, but if you're, if you're closing without a title company, then I'll just hire a mobile notary to act as the escrow, uh, send the mobile notary out to them along with the deed, along with the cashier's check for them. And then uh, we'll get the transaction closed. And um, so the notary will have them sign the deed and then they'll hand them the cashier's check. And then the notary will mail the deed into the county uh, for recording. Okay. Now, I guess for, for the closing title company, uh, is there anything that you're looking for on the title that actually comes back like a bunch of uh, easements or any, anything that's uh, judgments against them or something, or a bunch of family members that end up owning it out of nowhere? Yeah. So, I mean, in my diligence process, if I'm, if I'm buying with a title company, I'll let the title company do all the diligence, make sure there's no liens, no encumbrances on the title. Um, no, um, crazy HOA due past dues that are past due. Yeah. Um, if I'm doing it on my own, I will be doing my title and lien search. I will be uh, checking the taxes, um, making sure they're all current and, uh, doing my diligence on, uh, whether or not it's in a homeowners association and whether or not, um, it has road access, whether or not the topography, I mean, I'll, I'll be doing, I'll, I'll, I'll be checking the property, making sure it's a good property in either situation. But yeah, so I guess it, it just varies. If, if a title company is closing it, they'll check all the liens and encumbrances. Otherwise, if I'm doing it, I'll, I'll, I'll be checking the background uh, pretty, pretty clearly to make sure everything's all good with the property. Now, what websites are you using to actually be able to verify this stuff? So um, there's a few different websites out there that you can like, literally, you could pull, you could type in the property APN and it pulls up um, the kind of the images and the boundaries of the property agent pro actually does that. So the one that we just talked about that, that's total, that works totally fine. It could, you could get GPS coordinates from there as well. And you could just pull up in Google maps, check out the topography and, um, and then I use data tree. It's, it's first American title company. They, I, I use that to check liens. I'll, I'll have to contact the County for any other information, uh, including checking taxes to make sure the taxes are current. A lot of counties have that data online. Um, but, but yeah, first American is for, is, is what I use to check liens. And then I just check taxes at the County. I look up property in agent pro. I get the GPS coordinates. I look at Google, Google earth, Google maps, and, um, just make sure everything, everything's all checks out with the property pretty much. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, any, any new listeners out there, you can always dive in with title companies out there. Uh, typically they'll hook that up for you. Not a problem. Like Stuart, uh, title company is awesome. Uh, there, there's a bunch out there that will do all that, you know, uh, behind the scenes for you to make sure that it does come out as a uh, clean title for you before moving forward. So great. So as, as you're doing your due diligence, I guess people are calling you directly. These homeowners or property owners, they're calling you directly, negotiating it with you. And you're closing typically what, three, three days to a week or so? Uh, yeah. So if, if I'm closing in house, I will generally, yeah, close three to five days. If, if I can, if, if they need a rush, I could do it literally within like two days, but it generally takes that amount of time. If it's closing with the title company, it'll generally take a couple of weeks, two, three, sometimes even four weeks. Um, so yeah, it just depends on what, what kind of transaction I'm working with. Okay. Now with title companies, are you, uh, are you getting discounted rates as like an investor rates? Um, yeah, so I mean, it depends on the title company, but uh, definitely some of the title companies will give me investor rates. Some of them are a little bit more strict and don't have investor rates, but uh, I always make sure to ask. Yeah, because uh, it can't hurt. I'm sure that's kind of what you, you're leveraging as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm j I definitely just want to gear that towards other new investors out there. Like, ask for these things because you never know. And I didn't know about it originally when I first started investing, but as I naturally started picking up more, they they the title company, I mean, they're, they're like my best asset because if you, if you ever get a bad one, you'll see how, like how much hell that is and how much you could potentially lose the deal or lose your earnest money or, or what have you, uh, from a overall, just a shitty, uh, title company. So if, if you have somebody that's really good, they're going to be your diamond and really guide you in the right direction, hands off. You don't need to worry about it. And they'll take care of you on the rates and closing costs. So uh, ask for those investor rates and you might be surprised if, if they can cater towards it. Cool. So is there any other pieces behind, behind the scene of, of making this happen? I mean, afterwards, once, once you get this deal locked in, how do you stand out when it comes down to marketing this property? 
Yeah. So what I would say is I took a little bit more of an internet marketing approach. And, and so some people just posted on a few different websites. They might put it on the MLS um, and have, or even have realtors posted up or posted for them. Um, for me, I, I've taken a bit more of the, like I said, the internet marketing approach. I've built out a pretty uh, a good sales funnel. I'd say I, I capture emails very well. I'm getting about 50, 60 emails a week uh, added to my buyers list. Um, I'm leveraging Facebook really well to build out my emails list. I'm, I'm using a bunch of different other land sites to do so as well. And, and then I've, I've got the email automation. So they're getting indoctrinated into my email sequence and like learning my business very well um, just through those. And then I'm sending out consistent emails to them. I'm sending out uh, deals and just like constant emails with my inventory just to remind them what properties I have for sale. So I would say the email list is, is pretty is pretty important. And um, other than that, the video marketing, so creating property videos and uh, creating videos on my site, just introducing myself and just to have one customers go to my site so they could know, like, and trust me um, pretty well. So I would say the combination of all that is, is really what has allowed me to um, market better than, than most and, and, th- and then ultimately sell more than most. Okay. So once you get this property, you're building up your personal brand for people to get to know, like, and trust you. You're scooping up a ton of email lists of people that actually want to purchase land. And then you're doing like MailChimp or just blast emails to those individuals uh, to let them know, like, this is what you got right now. This is what you're looking to make from it. Yeah. Uh, so you have the, the purchase or your selling price uh, right from the start. Yeah. And then one, one other thing I didn't mention is that uh, I do accept credit cards on my website. And I think that's pretty crucial when someone could go, go to a listing and click a button that says buy on terms and submit, submit the payment for just a couple hundred bucks on a credit card. Yeah. I think that's very powerful. So I always have the call to action there and I, I make sure of like make it very loud and proud in my, in my listings that I am offering owner financing at a few hundred dollars down. So um, I think that's also a very important sales piece. Yeah. So let's talk about that aspect because that is tremendous. Also, I love the marketing part of it to make it super simple, quick, and easy for somebody to actually swipe a card and be able to get themselves into some real estate uh, on terms, which is awesome. So what kind of terms and conditions are you typically offering? Yeah. So what I try to offer is I would say my typical, um, smaller transaction. So I, I, I would say I have two different businesses. One's like the terms business, the ones the business that I, I buy more expensive property, selling those on the MLS um, and hiring realtors out for. The second one is the, the one that were easy owner financing, which is pretty much my bread and butter. So I would say average terms on that are like 250 down, 250 a month for, I don't know, 35, 30, 40 months in that range. Um, and, uh, and then there's, a, I have a $250 document preparation fee, which uh, pretty much just a 250 $250 added to the front end. So it's about $500 up front and then $250 a month going there for, uh, thereafter for, um, and wh- whatever it comes out to, maybe eight, 10, 15 grand sale is, is probably my average sale price on those. Nice. So did you get these documents drafted up by a lawyer and then something that you can just plug and play the, the different uh, dates and names and so forth? Probably. Yeah. So I actually leveraged a template from another land investor who's doing it nationwide. They're, they're doing really well. And then I had a lawyer review it and add, add pretty much a couple different um, paragraphs in there to protect me a little bit. But, yeah. and yeah, so it's pretty comprehensive Two two uh, two documents, a purchase agreement stating the terms of the agreement, the promissory note stating that they, the, the buyer promised to repay the balance over time. And uh, those, so my virtual, once, once someone checks on my website, they submit uh, like $500 payment on my, uh, when they click the buy on terms, it asks them for their information. My, I'll, I'll forward the email to my virtual assistant. She'll upload their new, their information and the property information on the property or in, in the paperwork. And they'll upload that into my Dropbox and then I'll review the Dropbox and then upload it to signnow.com. It's something very similar to DocuSign. And then I'll just email it to the seller for electronic signature. And once they sign that, um, once they sign that, everything's good to go and they're free to use the property, improve the property while they're making payments. And um, so that process from when they check out to when it's completely signed from my end, it probably takes about 10 minutes for me to review the documents, upload it and sign it. So uh, it's very streamlined and, and that's why it's very scalable because it doesn't take a lot of time from when buyer checks out to uh, when transactions complete. I love it, brother. I really do. Like the mindset behind you is amazing. It's, it's really next level stuff. So that's great. Have you had anybody that stops paying or what, what would be your process of 
if they stop paying and making their monthly payments, what, what are your terms and conditions that come next? Yeah. So what I would say is I have had, let me see, I could pull up the numbers. Um, just looking at my Excel sheet. So I've had, um, let's see, I've had 15 people over the course of whatever two years and a little over two years since I've been doing this. Uh, so I've had 15 people default, and those people have paid a total of, uh, about four, a little over about 14,500. And so they pretty much, they paid all that into the property and they stopped paying And my contract states that they stopped paying, then, then they lose the property pretty much. And so a lot of these people, they go dark, they won't, they'll stop answering call email texts and they'll just pretty much go dark. Some people just come in a tough financial situation and they're no longer able to pay. And, um, so they just, I pretty much send them, uh, a document that says you've defaulted. So they, they do have a 40 day grace period. And if, if people are communicating with me and they're saying, Hey, I'm, I'm late, but, but please work with me. I'm, I I'll always do. I don't want to have to resell the property. Yeah. Um, but it, it's for those people who just come in tough situations. They don't longer want to pay or they just go dark. Um, but I, in the contract, it's very, very clear that if they stop paying, I will remarket and sell the property after 40 days. And I don't need to do anything other than just put it back on the market. So um, that's just kind of the terms. It, it, nothing gets recorded at the county. There's no lien that's put on the, on the, on the property. It's all just in this legal document that they need to abide by. Otherwise, uh, otherwise the property comes back to me. Cool. So you don't, nothing's getting recorded. So basically it's just a contract between you two. And, uh, if they miss one payment, then they have 40 days from then until you start marketing it again. And hopefully within that time frame, you know, you'll be reaching out to them, I'm sure, but they should be communicating with you with transparency to make, you know, try to negotiate something and get back on their feet. And if they don't, then after 40 days, you don't need to do anything because you're still holding the, the, title and correct documents to be able to resell this thing. Correct. So the title stays in my LLC's name and, and then, yeah, so nothing, nothing gets recorded at the County. So that it's, it's very straightforward. So when they're doing the, the, uh, owner financing with you, uh, basically the only ownership that they have and documents of it is that contract that you, you know, you guys signed together for them, you know, with the terms and conditions of paying per month. Correct. Correct. So that's, uh, it's a lot of good faith, but they, I mean, they have legal claim to the property. They obviously, if, if I were to resell the property, they have obviously have the right to sue because they have sure. this document. So they have, they are protected, um, in that respect. And I would never obviously go out and resell the property or put in any lien or encumbrance on the property. So yeah. I'm an honest guy, honest businessman. So, um, yeah. they, they have nothing to worry about and they are protected. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's like people got to put themselves in your shoes. Like that's the last thing you're trying to do is put more work into it to try to sell it yeah. and all the other chaos. It's like, you rather just try to make it a win-win situation, capitalize on the monthly payments with passive income and give them an opportunity to getting away with small payments down. Now, do they have the opportunity to sell it within that time frame and then cash you out? Yeah, absolutely. So there's no prepayment penalty. If they, I, I always tell them they're free to market and sell the property if they want. So I, I do have some financial buyers. They just buy it. They're buying for investment. They, I do sell at discounts to retail. So they do buy it with the intent of reselling it. And, and some of them do and they pay it off and um, we go on their way. So I've had a number of people who've bought for me and just, just marketed up and resold. Okay. I love that. I love that. So at the end of the day, it's really systemized. It's a uh, where do you see yourself in the future? I guess I'm blown away by everything that you're doing. I think it's super sexy. A lot of people are definitely going to gravitate towards this and the way you simplify it, it's like, it's a no brainer. So are you planning on, it sounds like your systems are really in place, but are you planning on hiring out virtual assistants so you can be like to a certain degree, almost very hands off? Yeah. So at this point I've pretty much hired out almost everything besides talking to buyers, talking to sellers and sending out the mail. Okay. Um, so that's kind of the, those are the important parts of the, the most important crucial parts of the business that I haven't outsourced. I probably will outsource the phone calls at some point and hire, uh, I, hiring a leads, a sales manager is on my horizon just so I could, uh, step away from the business a little bit more. Um, so I guess that's probably in the near term, uh, within the next six, 12 months probably. Sick. And, and so at that point I'll be pretty far removed and, and spending very little time on the business, but still, um, keeping up the volume that I've been doing. And so that's kind of the goal and expectation that I have with it. Nice. Now with, uh, how many hours are you typically working currently? Per week? So I would say on the land business, it's probably between 20 to 30. And I think that's, 
Um, definitely, I, I, maybe even less than that, to be honest. Yeah. Good for you, brother. I love that. That's super yeah. cool. It, it, it does not take you that much time to buy and sell uh, these vacant lots. Yeah. So um, you, you're instantly getting equity when you buy it. And um, just because you're, I'm getting a lot of sales, I, I don't want to hold too much inventory. Otherwise I would just continue to scale it and scale yeah. it, but I, I don't want to hold too much inventory in too many areas um, because it gets to be a lot to manage. But um, yeah, it's, it's very scalable and you, you could honestly do it on the side. If, if you have a full-time job, you could probably get away with spending five, 10 hours a week. Um, I probably would recommend at least five hours a week on the side if you're getting started, but it really does not take you that much time. Okay. Now what kind of, do you have any horror stories or like, what if you get a property and it's just not selling? Like, what do you, what do you do at that point? So I would say it generally everything does sell. I've had properties that I had one property that had a lien on it. Um, and it came up, I had no idea it was in a homeowners association and I had a five grand lien come up on it. So stuff does come up. I, I actually, I was able to contact the seller and get that figured out after a, a long time of dealing with them and, and dealing with the issue. But, um, so that's happened. I've had people, I've had a squatter on my property before or a couple of properties I've had to deal with those. Um, so things, things will pop up. I've got code violations for people who bought on terms. They've got the park stuff on the property. In fact, I might have one right here. I literally got one in the mail today. Um, <laughs> trying to look for it, but I don't know, somewhere around here, but yeah. parking like, uh, like shipping containers or parking campers, like trailers, mobile home, like stuff that's just not supposed to be on the property. They got like all kinds of junk on it. So, I mean, things, things will pop up, but you just got to deal with them. And in the moment they're, they're tough to handle. And I, I got to pay this bill now and deal with this terms buyer. But, um, in the moment they're tough to deal with, but I mean, you, you figure it out and you move on. Sure. So with the, when you're closing on these deals and then a lien comes up afterwards that you didn't notice originally. Yeah. So that, that, that has happened to be one time. Okay. Um, I've learned from that mistake since then. <laughs> Is that because you did the, your own title uh, research instead of hiring it out? Well, at that point I didn't have, I didn't use, I didn't leverage first Americans uh, like platform. If I had used that one at that time, I, I would, uh, yeah, I would have, found it, but I didn't leverage that. And I didn't do as, as in depth of a title searches or a lean searches I could have. Okay. Awesome. Is there anything that you would recommend to, you know, somebody that's listening right now that is super motivated from your story? What the hell, like everything that you're doing is, is very capturing and, and uh, it seems like kind of plug and play something that anybody could really pick up. Is there anything that you would recommend them to focus on or maybe not overcomplicate to be able to pull off the same results? Yeah. So, I mean, if, if I were someone who's has in a corporate job, they might not be they're entrepreneur at heart. They're trying to get out of the corporate world. I would say get started because I, I mean, you probably need five, 10 grand to get started. So it's not like huge capital intensive. So if you have five, 10 grand and you have the motivation and uh, you keep consistent with it, um, I would say just get started and don't get hung up on sending out your first mailer. Just don't focus too much on the pricing. Just get, get it out. Don't overthink it and just take action because if, if you do it consistently over time, you will see results and it's, it's really impossible not to. I love it. I love it, brother. Dude, uh, there's so much great content right here. So you have your podcast, you have your courses, you're doing one-on-one -on -one coaching. If somebody does need help putting this stuff together, you're giving out the course for free. Uh, which is valued at a, a lot more than free. Uh, there, there's so much content in there. You just plugged and played about five different, probably more now, five different uh, steps that people can do to take action and be able to crush it. So there's no excuse for any of the listeners out there. They're going to be able to take action and really, um, you know, be able to build up this momentum and, and do something very similar that you have either part-time or go all in and really be able to crush it. Uh, if they do need additional help, they can reach out to you, I assume, and kind of have you put it together for them or answer any questions possibly. Yeah, absolutely. So they can reach out to me at Willie, W-I-L-L-I-E, at WillieGCoaching.com, Willie, the letter G, coaching.com. You can text me 847-899-4938. That's my number. Uh, you can reach out to me at Facebook. Uh, there should be a link somewhere around this video for Willie Goldberg on Facebook. And, um, yes, or yeah, just, yeah, those are the, probably the best ways to reach me. If you're interested in getting started and, um, you want to download my free mini course, you're, uh, you can go to freelandflippingcourse.com, freelandflippingcourse.com and just enter your email. I'll send you, send you a link so you can, you could leverage that and, and get started. 
Willie G, my man, I appreciate you so much. So much great value on here. And, uh, and your heart's in the right place because you're giving back and you went above and beyond to really be able to break it all down for them from beginning to end, as well as giving out the free courses, all the content, your podcast is amazing. Uh, so dude, I'm just so pumped. Like I can't, <laughs> can't wait to see, you know, where, where your lifestyle ends up going and all the, all the amazing things that's actually, uh, turning over for you. So, uh, is there anything you just spent a bunch of your time to be able to give back to the listeners? Time is our biggest asset. So what can the listeners do to be able to give back to you? What can the listeners do? Yeah, man. Uh, well, they can reach out to me and just make have to set up a phone call with me and, uh, just discuss anything that's on their mind. I'm happy to kind of, uh, pick the, or they can pick my brain and, and, uh, yeah, I think that would probably be the best way. Yeah, man. That's a win-win situation. At the end of the day, like networking is everything. Your network is your net worth. So, uh, so I know you're a smart man when it comes down to that. Uh, dude, appreciate you so much. I, I really do. I'm excited for you and I appreciate you jumping on here. Uh, if you guys want to reach out to me, you can do so by reaching out to Brandon investments.com. Otherwise Instagram, Brandon Elliott investments, and then facebook.com slash Brandon Elliott R E I. We have, uh, this magazine I was on. It's really awesome. Uh, success profile magazines. We're diving into a bunch of real estate investors that are crushing it nationwide in here. Uh, but we have in this episode, this magazine, I'm talking about credit. I'm talking about how I've leveraged credit to be able to crush it in real estate investing at 0% interest, 18 months on every single fix and flip as well as purchasing property. So if you want this, all you got to do is jump on iTunes, leave a review and make sure you hit that subscribe button. So you get the newest episode every single Monday. We're having real estate rock stars nationwide, just like Willie G on here, crushing it and giving you everything that you need to be able to do the same. So we're eliminating all the excuses out there. You don't need a ton of money to get started. I can show you how to do that with credit. Uh, you can do it virtually from your damn computer and be able to crush it just like my man, Willie G. And, uh, and I also want to give you my book, Action Driven, 100% free as well. So make sure you go subscribe and leave a review and I'll hook you guys up. So till next time, Willie, dude, I appreciate you so much. Nothing but great value as always, my friend. Stay blessed, guys. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time.